Welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Ozenchuk, and you can follow me on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. So I want to talk about alpha versus beta wide receivers today. We've, we've been talking about it in the patrons discord for like a month now, and we finally put some, some definition to it, defined what makes an alpha and what makes a beta. Ultimately, what it comes down to is that alpha wide receivers are the ones that we want in fantasy football. The betas hit at almost the same rate as the alphas. So there isn't really a distinction between hit rates here. The distinction comes in the magnitude of the hit. Alphas hit harder, they hit more often, and they have more of an impact on fantasy wins because when they do hit, it's a big hit. It's a it's a home run. That's really what it comes down to. So the wide receivers, a lot of wide receivers are basically irrelevant to fantasy football, right? Like anywhere from wide receiver 10 to 30, they're all more or less the same. We want the guys that are in the top 10. We want the guys, well, ideally we want the guys in the top five, but we want the guys in the top 10 because we want the perennial top 10 guys. We want the perennial wide receiver ones because they have a chance to be in the top five every year. And that's what we're going for. So the first guy we're going to talk about today is an alpha. One of the cheaper alphas in the class. Terrace Marshall out of LSU. We're going to put him through the prospect profile or we're going to put him through the bulletproof prospect process, right? We're going to put him, put him through the paces, see what he looks like. And I'm going to spoiler alert you here for a second. Terrace Marshall looks really bad in my process, but I love Terrace Marshall. If I'm allowed to pick a player that I like that doesn't fit my process, it's Terrace Marshall. He's my guy this year. He's 6'3", he's 200 pounds, so he's an alpha profile. He's a guy that, you know, started college at 18, played played at 18, 19, 20, then he declared for the NFL draft. He's probably going to get drafted real early, possibly in the first round. And he's got a lot of really interesting data points, and, and he doesn't really fit my well he he doesn't fit my process at all but he fits a lot of other people's process and i find that interesting because i often don't like these guys because they're really risky they're they're usually overvalued is what it comes down to like terrace marshall's raw profile looks a lot like a denzel mims profile to me it looks a lot like a Devonte parker profile to me his college dominator is really really high he's a 92nd percentile college dominator the problem with college dominator my my pet peeve with college dominator is that it weights touchdowns and receiving yards equally. The the share of receiving yards, the share of touchdowns, they're both weighted 50% in the college dominator calculation. I don't like that. Touchdowns are not stable. I want to use predictive stats like yards. Breakout age, his breakout age was 19.2, 86th percentile according to playerprofiler.com. This is largely buoyed by touchdowns. He played with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase that year. We're going to talk about the production specifically later, but it was it was hugely skewed to the touchdown side. Things to like about him, though. He's an age 21 rookie. He's an early declare. He has a great breakout age. He's an alpha profile. And if you contextualize his production, it's not as bad as it looks. His grade from me is going to probably be a bust. Possibly a maybe, but probably a bust. I like him way more than I like the average bust. I think that he is... Like, I want to rank him as a coin flip. That's how much I like his profile. So let's look at his metrics here. So if you're if you're watching on YouTube, then you'll be able to see the graphs. If you're not watching YouTube, you're listening to the podcast, check it out on YouTube next week when it goes up. You'll be able to see all the graphs and the con or the numbers that go with what I'm talking about. It's a lot easier to visualize it. First metric up, market share receiving yards by age. I get this from Dynasty League Football. If you've never been on that website, go get on it. It's awesome. They have all kinds of handy tools and fantastic writers there. Terrace Marshall does nothing at age 18 and 19. He's, he's pretty good at age 20 though. 
I'm gonna give him that. He was hit a pretty good age 20. Didn't hit the threshold, but it was pretty good. 18, 19, he was a zero. And then we use yards per team pass attempt by age. Again, everything I'm looking at is by age for these first two. Uh, we're comparing, you know, apples to apples. Age 18 versus 18. Age 19 versus 19. So on and so forth. Terrace Marshall doesn't hit at 18 or 19, but at 20, he finally just hits the threshold. Like, just hits the threshold. So, like, one out of six ain't bad, right? And then there's a movement right now in the analytics landscape where people are moving to experience adjusted production rather than age adjusted production. So looking at year one, year two, year three, year four, rather than age 18, 19, 20, 21, because of breakout age. That's really what it comes down to. The reason that they want to go to, the, and, and, and it's more predictive. I will admit the, the correlation is stronger when you look at production in this in this manner. My process doesn't use it yet. I'm trying to incorporate it. We'll get there eventually. But uh, as it is right now, Terrace Marshall did not hit it in year one. He did not hit it in year two, and he did not hit it in year three. This is really designed to pick up the guys who, you know, they didn't, their breakout age is 20 because they didn't play until they were 20. Those are the guys that's trying to find the Calvin Ridley's and the Kenny Galladay's and the AJ Green's and so on and so forth. Terrace Marshall doesn't have that problem. He played at 18. We can compare him to 18 year olds and he didn't do anything. He did break out at 19, but anyway, ugh. anyway, let's carry on. Receiving yards per team pass attempt by year out of high school. Again, this is age or uh, experience adjusted. He didn't hit anything. Nothing to look at here. He missed that year one. He missed it year two. He missed it year three. So why do I like him? Why, why am I telling you all the stuff he didn't do? And then also telling you, I like this guy. I want to draft this guy. Well, he's an alpha profile. We're looking at guys, alpha profile, the def- definition, my, my own definition, 5'11", 195 pounds and 26 BMI. I'm looking for perennial wide receiver ones, right? I want the guys that hit year after year after year. And if they don't hit, it's because they got hurt or their quarterback got hurt or, you know, some, something outside of their control stopped them. When we look at the coin flip grade players, the alpha profiles, profiles hit five out of 41 times, 12%. The betas, 0 for 25, 0%. Never seen one hit. The bulletproof plus tier, so this is bulletproof generational transcendent. The alphas, 10 out of 28, 36% of the time. Betas, one out of seven, 14% of the time. And the beta that hit, the beta that hit, the one shiny example that you can give for the betas is AJ Green. He's friggin' 6'4 and 211 pounds. Like, holy forking shirt balls. He's not a beta. I mean, according to my definition, he is, but he missed by literally 0.1 BMI. 0.1. That's like, you know, half a, gr- half a protein bar, man, and you're there. AJ Green's a fake beta. He's a real alpha. Should be noted that Terrace Marshall, as a high school recruit, had a 0.993 247 sports composite score. Five-star recruit, third best in the nation. He showed up to LSU as a freshman. He played nine games and 192 yards. That ain't good. As a sophomore at 19, he played 12 games and had 671 yards. Also ain't good. As a junior, he played seven games and had 731 yards. That's real good. So let's look at the context. Who did he play with? Who was holding him back? Well, at 18, it was a who's who of superstars holding him back, like Steven Sullivan, Derek Dillon, D. Anderson, and Foster Murrow. I don't even know who those guys are. They all outproduced Terrace Marshall, as did Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, but that's beside the point. There was a bunch of other guys that Terrace Marshall should have beaten, he didn't. But at the end of the day, I don't punish players for not hitting at 18. I really don't. I will, All I'm asking for them to do is hit at 19. That's the breakout age I'm looking for. So... Whatever, he gets a free pass for age 18 because everyone does. At age 19, he ascended to the number three wide receiver chair, thank goodness, as he should have. But this is the year that the whole offense just went nuclear. Jamar Chase had 1,700 yards. Justin Jefferson had 1,500. And Terrace Marshall was substantially behind with 671. He was was not a big yardage guy. 
Interestingly, though, he did have 13 touchdowns on 671 yards. He nearly doubled his expected touchdown production. That's why he broke out at 19. He had an okay season. We'll put it that way. He didn't break out, but it was it was okay. At least at least he was playing behind actual superstars. This isn't an Alabama thing where we're, we point to you know, well Henry Ruggs was there, so Jalen Waddle can produce. Are you kidding me? He was a first round pick. Henry Ruggs only had 17 percent of the friggin' production in the first place, so he wasn't holding anyone back. Anyway, that's for later. We're gonna talk Alabama later. Right now we're talking LSU. So at age 20, I'm thinking this is this is it. Wheels up for Terrace Marshall. Jamar Chase opts out for COVID. Justin Jefferson goes to the NFL and crushes the NFL. That's the important context with that age 19 season for Terrace Marshall. We already know that Justin Jefferson is a genuine superstar. We strongly suspect that Jamar Chase is going to be a genuine superstar. Alabama doesn't have that caliber of player. Jerry Judy isn't an NFL superstar. He's an NFL player. And that's a huge difference. Anyways, age 20, we got Terrace Marshall. He's set to take off and he doesn't. Uh, Keishon Boot or Booty or Boote. I don't know how to say his last name. He actually outproduced Terrace Marshall. 735 to 731. Keishon Boot, Boot, Boote, Booty, I don't know. He's a 18-year-old freshman and he outproduced Terrace Marshall. But the interesting thing about this, this is really interesting. Terrace Marshall opted out after seven games. He only played seven of the 10 games. He missed 30% of the season. In that first 70% of the season, Kayshawn Boot, Booty, Boote, Boot, he only had a 9.5% market share. He only had an 8% college dominator rating. Without Terrace Marshall in the three games after Terrace Marshall sat out, Kayshawn Boote, Boot, Booty, market share jumped to 56.8%. He went from nothing to everything. He went from a bench warmer to the entire offense once Terrace Marshall sat out. His dominator rating jumped to 57% as well. Keishon Butte was held back by Terrace Marshall. There's no questioning it. There is no other way to explain it. Keishon Butte, Boot, is the number one wide receiver in the 2023 class by a wide margin by virtually everyone who does Debbie rankings. It's not close. It's Keishon Boot and it's 50 miles of nothingness. It's a vast desert, a wasteland, and then it's wide receiver too. I don't even know who it is. Everyone has a different one. It's Keishon Booty though. It's him and it's him and it's him. And Terrace Marshall made him irrelevant. And that matters. So again, I don't punish Terrace Marshall for not breaking out at 18. I don't expect anyone to break out at 18. I do punish players for not breaking out at 19. Marshall did break out at 19 according to breakout age. However, he didn't hit my yardage thresholds because he did literally nothing through the air. Well, other than score touchdowns. But he was held back by Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Genuine superstars. Or one that's a genuine superstar. And one that I think is a genuine superstar. So I'm, I'm a little more lenient with Marshall. When I'm looking at somebody like Jalen Waddell or Devonta Smith, I'm not giving them a break at 18 or 19 because they didn't play with genuine superstars. They didn't. We're going to talk Alabama later. I'm sorry. I'm getting riled up. Backing off Alabama for a minute. So yeah, at age 20, Terrace Marshall was destroying my thresholds. Like he was crushing them. And then he opted out and missed the final three games, 30% of the season. He just missed. He just missed the thresholds at age 20. If he doesn't opt out, I suspect he ends up in either my maybe or coin flip tier. He did opt out and he will end up in my bus tier more more likely than not. He might get into the maybe tier depending on draft capital. We'll see. But uh, there's a new new service out from playerprofiler.com. They have a Dynasty Deluxe app i guess you could call it package and and in it they have this thing called the big board and they take all of the major network uh, nfl mock drafts and combine them into one they aggregate them into one to build you a consensus draft board so 
we can better guess at what the draft capital of these players is going to be. Terrace Marshall in it right now is 42.4. He is currently expected to be drafted in the early second round. I don't think it's outrageous to think that he might jump into the late first. We'll see. And then you start doing like a thought exercise around this, right? Like if he's a first round pick and we forgive the three games that he missed, he could actually be a coin flip. And then what if he didn't actually play behind genuine superstars? What if he played on Alabama? Would he have broken out at 18? Would he have hit my thresholds at 18? Pardon me, not broken out. Would he have hit my thresholds at 19? Possibly. There's a lot to like about the Terrace Marshall profile. My process is there as a guide. It's not to make decisions for you. It's to help you make decisions. And I'm choosing to ignore it to some extent on Terrace Marshall. There is a lot of risk with Terrace Marshall. He didn't break out at 19 and he could have broken out at 19. He didn't break out at 18 and he could have broken out at 18. There was no reason that he couldn't have hit the the low, low bar. Like my thresholds are not high. They're very low and he didn't hit them. I like Terrace Marshall more than the Bulletproof Prospect process does. I have him ranked higher than he should be. I get questions almost daily on on, uh, our patrons Discord. Why, why, why is this bus profile ranked so highly? And this is why. Take a swing on Terrace Marshall. That's all I'm going to say. Take a swing. He's worth the swing. If you miss, you miss. If he hits, he's going to hit hard. He's going to hit often. The magnitude of the hit makes it worthwhile. Draft Terrace Marshall and hope for the best. So now we're going to dive into the main course. We are going to get into the Alabama wide receivers. And this, this is going to take a while. So buckle up. We're going to, we're just going to put them all through all four of them through a uh, makeshift bulletproof prospect process just to kind of speed it up. Cause it, it will take a lot, take a while if we go through all four individually. So we're going to start with market share receiving yards by age. Devonta Smith hit it twice, age 20 and 21. Jalen Waddle never even came close any years. Henry Ruggs never even came close any of his seasons. And Jerry Judy hit it once and came really close another time. He hit it at 19, which is which is saying something. That's good. And then we look at yards per team pass attempt by age. Devonta Smith crushed it in 20 and 21. He never hit it any other years. Jerry Judy hit it twice, actually, age 19 and age 20. Henry Ruggs never hit it once, and Jalen Waddle hit it once. We don't really have consistent domination from any of these players, which is what we're looking for through the Bulletproof Prospect process. We want consistent domination. We're not seeing it. When you age adjust, it's very much the same. The graph that you can see on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, the first one on market share receiving yards, that comes from Dynasty League Football. The second one comes from a site called Zeno Is My Name. Just literally type in Zeno Is My Name in Google and you'll find it. And then we have Campus to Canton and they're, they're a new site and they are experience adjusting production rather than age adjusting. It's very interesting. It tells us virtually the same thing about these players though. Jalen Waddle actually hits the uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt at age or at uh, year one, which is good. He never hit it again, but he hit it at age one. And it, it, like I said, it should be noted that Jalen Waddle actually was on pace to hit in his final season at age 22, his third season, but he got hurt and he only played four games and extrapolating a four game sample is a dangerous thing to do. I would never do that. Some people do. It's it's suboptimal. We'll put it that way. And then receiving yards, uh, market share by experience, Devonta Smith is right on the verge in his third season. He hits it in year four. Jerry Judy hits it in year two and nobody else hits it ever. None of them. Jalen Waddle never hit once. Henry Ruggs never hit once. Totally different stories. We're looking at draft age and early declare. Ruggs and Judy were both age 21 rookies that declared early. That's a good sign. That's the NFL saying, hey, you know what? You're good enough. Let's go. Come on. We'll draft you early. Waddle is an age 22 rookie that declared early. That's a good sign. At least he declared early. Would have been nice if we would have played a little younger, but 
you know, life happens sometimes, and at least he declared early. Devonta Smith, on the other hand, is an age 22 senior. Being age 22 is, isn't terrible, but it's less than ideal. And being a senior is not good. We don't want seniors. Not to say seniors never hit, they just hit less frequently. It's a hit rate thing. The percentage of hits as seniors is lower, which is why we don't like seniors as much. Last year, when we're going through all these prospect profiles, everyone is telling us there are four first-round picks on this team. You cannot possibly treat them treat their production profiles as is. Here's the interesting thing about that. Henry Ruggs got a, ma- a long shot grade from me. It says maybe on the YouTube video because I haven't updated yet. The maybe tier is now the long shot tier because it makes a little bit more sense. Everybody was getting confused between maybe and coin or maybe and coin flip. So we nixed maybe, replace it with long shot. Anyways, Henry Ruggs, he, uh, he has really bad comps. <laughs> really bad sophomore comps. His sophomore comps are Zay Jones, Paris Campbell, TJ Graham, Austin Pettis, and Andre Codwell. We do not have a top 36 season among the group. Henry Ruggs hitting would be unprecedented at this point. If you have Henry Ruggs, get rid of him. But what I'm trying to say is that Henry Ruggs, despite playing with four first-round picks, he only played to his prospect profile. He played to exactly what we expected him to play to. Okay, Jerry Judy, this is a different story. Not Not necessarily a different story, an interesting story. Jerry Judy, I have ranked as a coin flip tier. That's the same tier as Devonta Smith. Whether Jerry Judy stayed in school and then dominated again or came out early, they'd be the same guy. That's really what it comes down to. So when we look at Jerry Judy's list of comps, we do have some good comps. Unfortunately, most of the good comps are bulletproof comps. So there's not a lot to love here about the Jerry Judy sophomore comps, but here are the bulletproof guys that are that are on his sophomore comp list. DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Jackson, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, and Tyler Boyd. Remember, these are not stylistic comps. These are comps for prospect grade, which does not take into account size or athleticism or anything like that. And year one production or year year one performance, pardon me, not production. I use things like receiving grade. I use from PFF. I use uh, average PPR points uh, for the rookie season. I use ADP trends, ADP trends. If you haven't heard of it before, go back and listen to Denzel Mim show a couple weeks ago. I believe it was actually episode one of the podcast, and I think it's the second or third video on the YouTube channel. Anyways, ADP Trends tells us what the dynasty community thinks about this player going forward. If they lose 12 or more or more than 12 spots, it gets very, very scary for these players. We rarely see players recover. So let's dive back or let's go back to the sophomore comps here. So we on the bulletproof or the bulletproof graded wide receivers on Jerry Judy's sophomore comp list are DeAndre Hopkins. Deshaun Jackson, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd. All four of those guys, or all five of those guys went on to hit. Only one of them face planted. That was Tyler Boyd. The rest all, you know, knocked out of the park and gained value in year one. Then when we get down to the coin flips, there are a few coin flips that that did hit. There's uh, Greg Jennings, Alshon Jeffrey, Kenny Galladay, Kendall Wright, and Cortland Sutton. So some pretty good players. Here's the thing though. Jerry Judy on the comp list that I've shown, this is an older comp list from back comp list from back in January. It shows that he's actually gained two spots in ADP year over year, May to May. He hasn't. At this point, with the latest Dynasty League football update to ADP, Jerry Judy is right on the verge of being a face planner. He is at negative 11 spots. He's probably going to be a face planner by the time we get to May. I'm going to be perfectly honest. And once he's a face planner, all these guys get taken off his list other than Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, and Tavon Austin. That's who's left. It's a who's who of players you don't want. In total, there are 10 players on his comp list. Sorry, 20 players on his comp list. 10 of them have hit. That's if he is not a face planner. 
So with Jerry Judy, it's very much, we don't know anything more about Jerry Judy now than we did when he was a rookie. At this point, I'm selling Jerry Judy because if he does not take a step forward next year, his value is gone. He's going to tank. That's how these things work. Year one, they have value insulation. There's a rookie insulation. People are still filled with optimism. By year two, if they're not seeing some production, it just goes... Like, it's over. It's not over, over, but it's basically over. They lose so much value after that second year if they don't produce. We're talking about, like, what happened to Devontae Adams. After his second year, he didn't do very well, and his value absolutely tanked after gaining a pile of value in his rookie year. So with Jerry Judy, if he doesn't hit this year, or at least be impressive, you're taking a massive value hit. It's just not worth it. Needless to say, what I'm trying to say is that Jerry Judy's sophomore comps are basically the same thing as his rookie year comps. He played exactly to his prospect profile, his unadjusted prospect profile. It didn't matter that he played with four other first round picks because he played to his profile regardless. So now in the year 2021, I am constantly being told that Devonta Smith is different. Jalen Waddle is different. They played with four first round picks. Here's the thing. The first two guys that we've actually seen play in the NFL played to their profile. We didn't get it wrong by not adjusting. They did exactly what we thought they would. So I am not adjusting Devonta Smith and I am not adjusting Jalen Waddle. And I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but there's just no reason to. If Jerry Judy had come out and been a superstar like Justin Jefferson, yeah, then we can say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like he outplayed his profile. There's something here. If Henry Ruggs had done literally anything, we could have made an argument that he outplayed his profile, but neither guy did. They played exactly the way that they were supposed to. Anyways, back to Devonta Smith. The next thing I'm being told about Devonta Smith is that he is a high first round pick and that matters. So let's talk about that. Does that actually matter? Well, being a first round pick is good. It is. If you're a first round pick, that gives you a better chance than being a second round pick. So it does matter there. But does it matter if you're a top half the first round pick? No, it simply does not. Does it matter if you're a top 10 pick? No, it does not. If you are drafted in the first round, being in the top half or in the top 10 doesn't matter. But if you get to the top five, that's where we can start considering throwing out your prospect profile. It's unlikely that he's going to get to the top five. His current projected draft capital is like right on 10, both on the new player pro- player profiler uh big they have a big board now where they aggregate the main websites the like the draft nick websites their adps in mock drafts they put them together and they give you what their expected uh draft pick is there's also a website called grinding the mocks that does a similar thing both those websites are saying that devonta smith is probably going to be drafted around pick 10. So I don't think top five is in the equation. Last year, C.D. Lamb was supposed to be number 11. He ended up going 17. So I wouldn't be shocked if Devonta Smith ended up a mid-first-round mid round pick. But anyway, let's get into this first or this draft capital thing. So I did a thread the other night, and I just looked at the wide receivers drafted from pick 17 to 32. So this is back half the first-round draft picks. There's been 32 of them. 16 of them hit. That's a 50% hit rate. The overall hit rate in the first round is 51%. Back half the first round hits at the same rate as the entire round. So that's not good news for the draft capital zealots that are saying the NFL knows best. Trust the NFL. They're going to pick them high and that matters. It doesn't matter. When we look at picks 1 to 16, it's 15 out of 29. Players have been players that have hit top 24 seasons. That's a 52% hit rate. It literally doesn't matter if you're a top top 16 pick or a back 16 pick. If you're early if you're a top half the first or bottom half the first, it doesn't matter. The hit rates are the same. So that's awkward. But what if top 10, if you get to top 10, does that change anything? No, it doesn't. The top 10 picks, there's been 23 of them, 11 have hit, 48% hit rate. That's actually lower than the bottom half of the first round. What? 
Like, why are people saying this? Because they don't do the research. That's why they're saying things like top 10 picks matter. They don't matter. Top five picks matter. There's only been 10. Seven of them hit. That's a 70% hit rate. So, yay, we finally did it. We found a segment in the first round that actually outproduces the norm. After the top five, pick 16 through 32, they're all the same. Doesn't matter if they get drafted at 7, 17, or 27. The hit rates are the same. Doesn't make a difference. And then the next thing that we look at, I like. I am on record saying I, I like alpha wide receivers. I have done a ton of threads around BMI. I have finally, with the help of Coop underscore DFF on Twitter, defined what an alpha profile is. I always just kind of had the principle of, you know what, when you see it. So now we've defined it and we're looking at, we've talked about this already, but we're looking at guys that are over 5'11", over 195 or 5'11 or over 195 pounds or more and 26 BMI or more. Devonta Smith is not that. (laughs) He's 6'1 and maybe 175 pounds. His BMI is going to be in the 23-ish bucket. He's very, very much a beta profile wide receiver. So Devonta Smith, prior to looking at this coin flip, or prior to looking at this, coin flip wide receivers are my second highest tier. It's bulletproof, then coin flip, then long shot, then bust. He's in the second highest tier because his production was good for two years. And he's going to be a first round pick because being a first round pick matters, but where you're drafting the first round doesn't matter. So he's a coin flip grade before we look at any kind of size adjustments or anything. When we look at size adjustments, so coin flip grade, wide receivers, we're looking at wide receiver two hit rates. So top 24 hit rates, alpha coin flips. There's been 41 of them have hit 18 times. That's a 44% hit rate. Betas, 11 out of 25, 44% hit rate. There is no difference in floor based on size. It doesn't matter that... Devonta Smith is a 23 BMI or a 28 BMI guy. His his floor hit rate, he's still going to hit a wide receiver too at the same rate regardless. Where it changes is when we're looking at difference maker wide receivers. When we're looking at wide receiver ones. If you look at the scoring on a per season basis from wide receiver, I don't know, about 13 to 40 It's basically the same. Like the points per game difference is so small, it doesn't matter. None of those guys are winning you leagues. They're just, they're replaceable. There's so many of them available. If you're playing Dynasty, you can get those guys for fairly, fairly cheap. When we're looking at alphas, wide receiver ones, that's where we start, or we're looking at wide receiver ones, that's where we get the difference makers. So I, in my rookie drafts, am looking for difference makers. That's one of the reasons I like Terrace Marshall. Alpha wide receiver coin flips. There's been 41 of them, 12 of hit wide receiver one seasons, 34%. Betas, 5 out of 25, 20%. There's a big gap there. A big gap. There's a big gap in sample sizes too. But 25 isn't nothing. Like it really isn't nothing. It's a, it's still a lot of wide receivers and a lot of them don't hit wide receiver one seasons. And then what I'm really looking for, like the, the dream is to get those perennial wide receiver one guys. Perennial wide receiver one guys are guys with three or more wide receiver one seasons on their resume. In the coin flip grade, the alphas, 5 out of 41 have hit, 12%. It's not a great hit rate. It's hard to find those guys. There aren't many of them. But 5 out of 41, there's at least been 5, 12%. We've never seen a beta come out of the coin flip tier and have 3 plus wide receiver one seasons. Never. Hasn't happened since 2003's draft class. It has not happened. If Devonta Smith does it, he'll be the first. And I'm not betting on unicorns. I'm just not betting on unicorns. I'm sorry. I get that you like him. I get that he looks good on film. I get that he played at Alabama. I get that he won the Heisman. But it doesn't matter. And to that point, another thing we should talk about is production is a threshold stat. It doesn't matter if you're a 45% college dominator player or a 35% college dominator player. It matters that you hit the threshold. Once you get above the threshold, nothing else matters. Just hit the threshold. Your hit rate doesn't go up if you're extremely dominant versus very dominant. 
Pointing out that Devonta Smith had all these yards, it doesn't matter. He hit the threshold. That's what matters. He just did it too late. He didn't declare early. Like he's got a lot of other issues with his profile. And then the size factor, it doesn't affect his hit rate. He'll still be a good wide receiver if he's a good wide receiver. He just probably won't be a perennial wide receiver one. He probably won't even be a wide receiver one. He's not going to matter for fantasy. That's really what it all comes down to. So then when we contrast this with Bulletproof Plus... So like the bulletproof guys, and then I actually have two other tiers called generational transcendent that are for the, the extremely good players. So I just group them all into bulletproof plus because there's only a handful of those guys. When we're looking at alphas, the alpha bulletproof wide receivers, 10 out of 28 have hit a wide receiver one season. That's a 64% hit rate. Four out of seven betas have hit. That's a 57% hit rate. These guys are way better than the coin flips in terms of likelihood or historical hit rate. And then when we're looking at the perennial wide receiver ones you know the guys that do it three plus times in the bulletproof plus tier we're talking about the alphas being 10 out of 28 36 percent of the time 36 percent of the time you are getting three plus wide receiver one seasons out of an alpha bulletproof wide receiver it's not close if you're taking a coin flip player like devonta smith over a bulletproof alpha like a rashad bateman you're doing it wrong you're just doing it wrong. You're looking at the wrong things. And I'm not, I'm just not sorry. Take the good players. And of the betas, the bulletproof betas that uh, went on to have three plus wide receiver one season, one out of seven, it was AJ Green. AJ Green is barely like he missed the alpha tier by 0.1 BMI. So get out of here. He's an alpha. He's a fake beta. The moral of the story is I'm not adjusting for Alabama wide receivers. I'm not. The ones that we've seen in the NFL play to their profile. The ones that we don't know about yet have worse or similar grades to the prior guys that didn't exceed the threshold or that didn't exceed their expectation. If Devonta Smith hits, he's a unicorn. He really is. If he if he hits at the level of a perennial wide receiver one, he is a complete unicorn. I don't chase unicorns and neither should you. 